Where we left off in part one, Dr. William Dean of Jaffrey, New Hampshire was murdered around 11.30 p.m. on the night of August 13, 1918. He had returned home from running errands and visiting with his friends, Charles Rich's family, had a snack of currant buns and milk when he got home, and then he walked to his barn to milk his cow some 500 feet away near their big house on the property which he and his wife had previously been renting out. Dean was struck on the head upon entering the barn with something very heavy that left marks like a triangle in his head. He was then tied up, hands behind his back, knees tied together, covered in a horse blanket, then further covered up on his head with a burlap sack, in which was a 27 and a half pound rock used to help weigh him down in a cistern on the property. He was discovered the next day. This is A Study of Strange. Welcome back. I'm Michael May. Continuing with me from part one is Tara Perry, actor and producer, and her husband, director Jordan Wayne Long. See their films, Ghost of the Ozarks, which is available for rent everywhere, I think, as of this recording, and Squirrel, which just came out on Tubi. If you skipped part one, I recommend going back and starting this amazing tale there. I'll skip the rest of the housekeeping today till the end so we can dive right back in to the Strange murder of Dr. William Dean. What would leave a triangle shape? I think he getting hit with a milk jug, like on the corner. If you hit it real like hard, the wouldn't it like hits, maybe? Wouldn't it like indent with a triangle? You know, there we are, are calling this the midnight milker. Mid- right? Ooh, a midnight milker. I like it. I like it. That sounds good to me. Uh, no, you, actually, you bring up a good point. The milk pail, I you brought you brought up in part one, and I had not considered that before, and because it wasn't there, so they may have taken it because it was covered in blood and thought their fingerprints were on it or something. Um, the marks, there are photos. I have seen them. It's not a perfect triangle, so I okay. honestly think it's just something heavy, and it could be they a rock. Just, yeah. It could be a pail. Yeah, you should totally. Are you going to put? Are you going to put these like pictures up on like Instagram? Uh, I, I don't know about Instagram because they are. It is kind of it. I, I, yeah, maybe Patreon. I'll definitely have links in the show notes. So if ever, anybody yeah. wants to see them, there are plenty of links that will be in the show notes for everybody to check out. Maybe the Excuse murderer me. just wanted to steal a milk jug. You know, milk jugs in 1918. It was wartime. <laughs> you know, people had. They were supposed to turn all jugs. their metal in. Yeah. 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 Yeah, man, never, never. It's like wearing really nice Jordans on a basketball court. Don't do it because you might get robbed. Uh, (laughs) Where are you playing basketball, Mikey? You be careful. Nowhere anymore, but I grew up doing it. And that was like one of the rules when I would when I was like 14, 15, playing a lot of basketball is people would like tell you because I had Jordans. They're like, oh, don't wear those at that court. Like, don't know. You're just putting a target on your back. It's like hocus pocus. Oh, yeah. The guy stole his shoes. Anyway. (laughs) <laughs> New England. I'm in the ha- I'm in the Halloween New England mood. I love yeah. it. Hocus Pocus 2 is coming out. Maybe you get sponsored by Disney. I don't know. There you go. Yeah. A Study of Strange brought to you by Hocus Pocus 2. Oh, that would be so amazing. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Got a uh, ring to it. Yeah. All right. So uh, a few suspects came into the target of the residents right away. We have talked about them in part one a little bit to introduce them. Dean's good friend, who Dean apparently visited the night of the murder, and who many witnesses saw with a pretty bad black eye after the murder. 
leading to the question, did he get into a kerfuffle with Dr. Dean? And that is Charles Rich. The other prominent suspect is Lawrence Kohlfeldt, the former renter of Dean's big house, who many suspect was a German sympathizer and may have been involved in the lights flashing on the mountains, lights the government was investigating during World War One. Jordan was giving a uh, a pump of fist pump during Lawrence Kohlfeldt. I think he's got. He's, We're onto him. He's really yeah. He's he's uh, targets lined up. <laughs> Now, before we get into them, I do want to diverge into a little bit of details about what happened right after the murder. So locals did try their best to investigate, but it is a tiny rural town in 1918. There's not a lot you can do. You know, if you don't catch somebody in the act back then, it's really, really hard to prove. You could really get away with murder. Yeah. Oh, God, it sounds. I, I hate saying yeah like that because it sounds like I'm like, yeah, good on them. Yeah, like, you it, can. I don't, I don't <laughs> mean that in time and awesome people. <laughs> it's not a positive thing. So a, lo- a local man named Richard Hinchman came by and cleaned up the barn. I know, Hinchman. Yeah, yeah oh, that's his real on. name. That is his real name. Uh, he came by and cleaned up the house uh, and the barn. This was approved, from what I can tell, by the authorities, but there are a lot of articles from back then that claim that Charles Rich sent him to clean up the crime scene. But from what I can read, it was like, no, like again, they, it's, it's, they don't know CSI. They haven't, you know, there isn't some special agency they go to, to study how to investigate a crime scene back then. Um, I think they were just like, Oh, you should clean up. That'll be helpful. Yeah. (laughs) But obviously it makes it harder to investigate. Uh, Various witnesses came forward, and if anybody wants to read more about this, see Burt Ford's book, which I will have a link to, uh, that claim that they saw and heard a wagon followed by a car on the night of the murder head through town towards Dean's house around 10, 30, 11 o'clock. One witness, or actually multiple witnesses, also saw a car coming through town going the opposite way around midnight. One witness, Charles Bean, who also found a a tool we'll talk about, mentioned that he saw a wagon. Sorry, my notes. I can't decipher my own. I was going to say handwriting, but it's typed, but I can't decipher how I wrote this note. (laughs) What font did I use? Hmm. Oh, Charles Charles Bean, excuse me, said that he saw the wagon he saw go through through town was not Dean's wagon or Dean's horse because he would recognize both of them. Other witnesses say the car that was seen in town was not a Ford. It's just important to note that Uh, it had a heavier sounding engine. The car, if it was indeed the same car everybody was seeing, was leaving around midnight. So that would have been after the murder if he didn't indeed die at 1130. Get out of here. Wait, so, okay, I, I like the important note that it's not, it wasn't a Ford because it had a heavier mm-hmm. motor. Were there, were there mm-hmm. imported cars like Volkswagen? Yeah. Uh, they were not Volkswagens. They they weren't around yet, but uh, you'll find out later. Kohlfeldt, oh, <laughs> Jordan oh, looks yeah? excited. Kohlfeldt, our number one witness. <laughs> uh, he owned a Marmon, which was a very expensive car, which I will talk about a little bit later on that he got when he signed up to be a double agent listen Boom. i don't think you you want jordan and i on your jury because we're just like yep it was him like immediately we're like it was him i don't what are we it was him. there is no more mystery it was him well i might i might change your mind later hang oh, hang on i, hang like on. It. I love this good. it's gonna get good change it <laughs> so no one recognized the car and no one recognized the people in the car except for one witness, a, a young man named Daniel LaRosse, who I keep wanting to read out of the corner of my eyes, Daniel LaRusso. Uh, he was in, in town in Jaffrey around midnight. Apparently, he was looking for like a lighter or matches or 
he was just hanging out wanting to smoke he saw the car and he thought charles rich was driving this car that came through town oh yeah now putting some some credence or or validity to this car sighting tire tracks were actually found on a quiet road that circled behind the dean property and a pathway seemed to be made from the car through you know the the, the land towards dean's house to a rock wall and it looked like rocks had been pushed over where people walked through the rock wall towards the barn and the big house of Dean's boom. Which is where there are rock walls everywhere, everywhere up there. And the there are wall, at my family's house in Vermont too. Yeah. Yep. Is that the rock wall where they found the missing? The, the tool? I don't yeah. know. Cause all I ever read is they found it under, or he found it under a rock wall. I don't know what rock wall. See if it's under have, a yeah. rock wall, wouldn't that be where it was pushed over? Maybe. Maybe yeah, I, under, I, think, I think we would know. I feel like that's such good detail that something would have come up right. with that, though. So a handful of days after the body was found, William Dean's brother, I think he was named Fe- Frederick. I didn't write his name down. I think it's Frederick Dean came up from, I want to say New York. I didn't write that down either. I apologize for my terrible note taking. <laughs> uh, he came up to town because obviously his brother has been murdered. He wants to know what's going on. He brought with him a psychic detective or a, cr- a criminal psychologist, as he called himself. A man named Vint de Curler. I think he was Belgian, so I think it's Vint, not Wint de Curler. Uh, he was self-professed in all of his credentials. And I, bo- I won't beat around the bush. This dude was a con man. He, he was a con man. And de Curler, he, he's, a, he's a character, guys. He's Wint such a character. de Curler. <laughs> Vint de Curler. He had a huge ego, and like all con man, he, he just lied continuously, especially if people were asking him questions about what he was doing. He would have to cover up his own lies, so he would lie even more. He claimed to have been hired by Dr. Dean's brother to investigate, but not for a fee, because he's a he's a very good man, uh, just to cover his expenses. And the expenses, by the way, were very, very high. <laughs> and after Dean's brother left town, you know, in the days or weeks after the body was was found, DeCurler stayed on. And what I find really interesting is the town, they were so they really wanted to solve this. They were so eager to solve it that they hired him to stay oh God, on no. to investigate. <laughs> they, he didn't accept a fee, though, because he's a good guy. So just the expenses, just his expenses. Uh, <laughs> and he's writing his own receipts. Right, exactly. <laughs> so a few things that the curler found or claimed to have found. And by the way, he actually did. I will give him a little bit of credit. He did seem to really want to solve this. Like legitimately, uh-huh. he wanted to be the man to solve the murder. So he did talk to he talked to everybody. Every even invest people investigators did not question. He went out and was questioning them and finding out information. Pinkerton detectives also worked the case. I don't. I just. I never cr- came across anything they ever found. And I love when Pinkertons get involved. Yeah. Yeah. Odd. So he uh, DeCurler claimed that he found marks on the entryway to the barn and marks on a rock that was near the cistern that were the same shape of the marks on Dean's head. So he was thinking that whatever hit Dean also fell or hit the floor of the barn and then this rock or drug across this rock on the way to the cistern. Uh, keep that in mind because we're going to talk about that in a, in a wee bit uh, when we talk about Charles Rich as a suspect. De Curler also claimed that he was able to see faces in pictures of blood spatter. Oh, and the faces, guy. the faces could be the killer, maybe. And the pictures were asked about at the grand jury inquest, 
and he claimed he didn't bring them because they serve no criminal justice purposes because you can't prove that the murder is in the picture, but you can see it all. You can, I'll let you all look at it whenever you want. But of course, no one ever saw those pictures. I, I've never seen the picture. I don't think anybody ever saw those, <laughs> those pictures. Yes. So, so interesting, interesting stuff there. And on that note, we are going to do a scene of <gasps> Ventacurler yes. in on Dean two is what it's called. Um, this is actually pulled from the grand jury inquest. This is his testimony. I have pieced it together uh, from three different parts because he goes on for many, 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 many pages. So I just kind of pulled three different parts and combined them into one. Tara, let's have you read Vint de Curler. And let me pull it up myself here. What a last Thank name. God. How did you yeah. know that that's how you pronounced it? Uh, oh, it's not. I, I copied it from the transcript. So it's, oh. it just wasn't spelled fully. So that's why it, it's not spelled correctly in that scene. Po- apologies. Let me know when you guys are ready. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> are you, nice, sweetheart, nice are you ready? Yeah. So you're reading Young <laughs> Jordan. Thank God. All right. This is the courthouse in New Hampshire during the day. The jury is tired, yet hangs on to every word of the eccentric Vint de Curler as he's questioned by New Hampshire Attorney General Oscar Young. Why were you going by a false name? I am very well known, not only in New York, Washington, France, as well as England and Italy, but I am very well known all over the world through my capacity as a psychologist and various activities. Now then, to get back. After you discovered those scratches on the barn and the scratches on the stone, you compared those two sets of marks and your conclusion was that they were both made by the same instrument? Yes. Since you have seen this instrument that Mr. Bean has found, do you still think that it is the one that produced the injury on Mr. Dean's head? I... <laughs> she has some notes. She has I, some notes. I, I haven't seen the instrument and I can't. Furnish an opinion. You haven't got any opinion? I merely base my deductions upon the facts. I ask you if you have got an opinion that it was. That it was what, sir? It... Please settle down in the court. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you made any statement that the instrument which Mr. Bean found caused the injury to Mr. Dean's head. If the instrument... I ask you... If you have given it as your opinion that the instrument which was found by Mr. Bean was the one which inflicted the injury upon Mr. Dean's head. Excuse me, sir. Just answer by yes or no. You either have an opinion or you haven't. Which is it? I don't think I can say that. Yes, you can. Pardon me for demanding. I ask if you have voiced that opinion. I may have voiced that opinion, yes. Is that your opinion now, or have you changed your mind? No, sir, I haven't changed my mind. <sighs> Was Mr. Frederick Dean present during your whole investigation? Uh, no, sir. He had returned to New York on Tuesday. When did you change your mind about going back with him? I changed my mind on Tuesday morning, and he went back at the, on the 250 train. Did your employment with Mr. Dean cease at that time? I never was in his employ. He only paid the train fare and other things. That is, you were willing to help him, so he paid your expense? Excuse me. It's cost me up to about $6,000 up to date. Oh, 
<laughs> what is the bulk of that expenditure for? It, it wasn't for board over at the East Jaffrey at lunch or at the lunch cart, was it? I boarded there and I don't think it it would near correspond with. I have nailed this. Hang on. <clears throat> <laughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I was being bothered. <clears throat> what is the bulk of that expenditure for? It wasn't for your board over at East Jaffrey at the lunch cart, was it? I boarded there and I don't think it would be would near correspond with six thousand dollars. No, but you see, I had to be back in New York in order to discuss a very important proposition. And then, of course, I didn't turn up. On Tuesday, just at that time when I was ready to take my leave from Mr. Dean, I handed Mr. Dean a book that he had loaned me. I asked that he would lend me the book for psychological experiments, for I am always making psychological experiments. Giving that book, I said across the counter, Mr. Dean, we're going back. What is your theory about the murder? It is the most baffling case. I am a detective and I have got to get information. And there you have it. Wait, yes. this is actually this is this is from the trial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I did make a few oh. minor changes uh, because I, I skipped. I combined like three different sections of his testimony. So I just added like a, a couple of weird that things, but it's 99 percent. Crazy. Yeah. I love it. Like, why'd you use a fake name? And he's like, I'm a very famous. I'm so person. famous. <laughs> I'm, I'm famous. That sound, <laughs> sounds so France, much like a famous Italy, narcissist. Scotland, you know? Germany, uh, Bangladesh. I'm, I'm famous. I'm so famous. Also, everywhere. Italy. Italy as well. I <laughs> yeah. And which means what? when he showed up, it's so because nowadays when you read about it, everybody just knows who he is. So they just refer to him at, as that. But he must have shown up to town using a completely different name. For for what reason I you can't imagine like yeah also so six thousand dollars in nineteen eighteen yeah. how much yeah. is that today have we done it's, that it's, oh I have not done that I actually find right, out because I always gonna... make jokes when people ask this I'm like four hundred and eighty two thousand dollars but it's actually probably like twenty grand it, no it's probably more than that yeah it's a lot yeah find out Tara Tara's looking it up everybody we're gonna hold hold for Tara calculating. Uh -huh. Uh, It'd be equal to $122,103 whoa. in 2022. That is so much That's more insane. than I thought. <laughs> Jesus. He's like, listen, wow. I'm staying at East Jaffrey, and I'd be damned <laughs> if my bill is $122,000. Wow. Uh, now, I didn't include every bit of interesting uh, thing that he said, because we would literally be here for weeks. Um, cause it, it's a, it's a long, it's a long testimony. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to give it a, just a hint cause I think he's so interesting, uh, as to the way he talked about now the lawyer, the young who was interviewing him also P Pickard, the County solicitor did interview him some too. And DeCurler gets in just weird, weird, like combative kind of things every now and then when it's like simple things, uh, it's just, it's so interesting. And so it's. I, I think it hurt the case, you know, when you have somebody like that involved, even if they really wanted to solve it and solve it legitimately, like they're just, you can't trust what they say. You can't trust what information they compile. Mm -mm. Um, so it's kind of sad that, that he was involved. Now, my favorite part about him is that the locals have already said hired him. I just find it so interesting that they, they brought him on. Um, oh, bless. Now, now, a couple of clarifications I want to make in case you read about this case, listeners out there, in case you're you're researching this on your own. A lot of claims say that Pickard wanted Mrs. Dean during the grand jury trial. She, he, excuse me, he uh, really wanted to pinpoint it on Mrs. Dean or that he really wanted to pinpoint it on Rich or Colfelt. Like people have their own opinions about the way Pickard was doing his investigation. 
Uh, but when you read the testimony and you read the whole thing like I did, which took way too long, and you read Pickard's own testimony, it, he did not seem to have an, an opinion or want of one suspect over the other. He was very much just like, I don't, I don't know who did it. Here's the information. Oh. What can we decide? So um, he's not as opinionated as I think a lot of the local rumors and articles and things you come across read. We talked about Mrs. Dean a little bit in part one. We don't think she could have done it. We won't need to go into that again. If anybody out there is listening and wants to review that, go into part one. It's towards the end of that episode. The other quick little thing we can go into before we get into the main suspects is some people theorize that it could be hoodlums, like some kids or some young vagabonds were hanging out in the barn and Dean came in to milk the cow and they were panicked and were like, oh, God, we've been found and like hit them and tied them up and drug them. Panic. Here's all this rope we have prepared. Yeah, that's where that's where it doesn't tie in with my mind. Jordan, you going to say something? I just turned my mic back on. <laughs> oh, Tara, make sure he turns it off. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so anyway, that is one of the other theories is that hoodlums could have done it. I, I don't agree with it for the main reason Jordan just said, like, or Tara just said, which one of you said it? I'm already losing my mind about the rope. <laughs> Me. Who, who said yeah. that? Okay. Yeah, I think y- you panic if you hit somebody and panic and you kill them. I don't think you're tying them up by the knees and the arms and the head. and no. the, like. Because yeah. also, if, if he got hit but not killed, then he was tied up. Was he was he tortured or anything? Do we know that? That's what that's that's part of my theory. It's like, why? Yeah. Yeah. Spies. Spies. Of course, so, he was. They, they had to pump him for information. Yeah, you're, and then they offed him. Your, da- your daughter uh, fully agrees. My opinion. Yeah. But thank you. She's like, I get you, dad. Votes. I back him up. <laughs> uh, if anyone disagrees with my reasoning to write off either Mrs. Dean or or the hoodlums, please write me. A study of, tra- uh, a study of strange at gmail.com. Uh, now, all right, that out of the way, we have the two main main suspects, Cole Felt, who was the, the lodger of the big house with his family, and Charles Rich, the friend. Who do you guys want to talk about first? Let's talk about Rich first. Okay. So we can get that. That means we I have to scroll further clear. down in my notes. Oh, I'm Fine. sorry. <laughs> all right. A quick refresher. Charles Rich is the bank cashier. In some articles you read, they call him a banker. He's just the cashier, but a very important job. He also worked at the local courthouse. Again, not a judge. I talked about that in part one. He's always referred to as judge. He's <laughs> like not a judge. these crazy titles yeah. where it's like, yeah, we just call him that. Yeah. Well, I think it's just people here. He worked in the courthouse and they're like, oh, a judge. And just and it just, you know, once one rumor happens or one mistake happens, people read it, pick up on it, yep. and it turns into fact. Uh, so Dean visited Rich. They had known each other for years. They were friends. They would play billiards together sometimes. The families knew each other. And Dean visited supposedly Rich on the night of the murder when he drove Rich's sister-in-law, Georgiana Hodgkins, back home uh, that night. Rich had a black eye because he said he got hit by the horse and it made his you know hand jerk up, hit his pipe, hit his basket, hit his eye. And he apparently got advice from Dean to put alcohol on it. And Dean apparently left Rich's house around 1030 or in that range. So that's the kind of the, the story we talked about, the common story. When it, Rich is weird. I'm going to I'm going to admit this before I, I say everything about him. There's some inconsistencies with him as a suspect. So even as I like glance at my notes right now, I'm like, God, how am I even going to tell this? Because I've got to bounce around a little bit. But that's that's just what we're going to have to do. Yeah. 
my God, this is so interesting. I want to like go drive around Jaffrey when we're there to be like, oh, oh I, I know. Like, I, I really want to go to town square too. still. You know what I mean? Like the town square would still oh, be Oh, it can't be that different. Yeah. Yeah. Just Rich is, Rich is hard to pinpoint in my opinion. So when I go over some of the facts about him and, and details about why he's a suspect, I apologize if it seems like it's bouncing around and that's my own fault of not being able to fully agree that he's a suspect. So, all right. The morning after the murder, here's some things that, that may that may make Rich look like a suspect, like he could have done. It. Okay. Not look like a suspect. He is a suspect, but it looks, it, it it's not good for him. So after the murder, Rich apparently went to The Undertaker. This is the morning that Dean was found and asked if he was going up to the Dean property. And The Undertaker was like, what, what, why? And Dean was like, oh, the uh, Mr. Dean's dead. And this is at 8 a.m. before they ever found his body. That's according to The what? Undertaker. This yeah. is according to The Undertaker. According to okay. Mr. Rich, though, Rich actually says, no, it was 11 a.m. And I never said Dean's dead. I said he's missing and everybody's up there looking for him. Can you take me up in your car? He wanted a ride up to the Dean property. Oh my God, that's... And yeah. like, why would you lie about that to be like, yeah, no, I went to The Undertaker and I said all of this other stuff. Yeah, I don't... <laughs> if Rich did it, I don't... He's not an idiot. Like, I don't think he's going to go in and be like, oh, Dean's dead. Take me up there. It's like, what? what? No, so I, I think The Undertaker is literally just mistaken. I don't think he's trying to, like, get Rich to look guilty. I literally think just The, the Undertaker is mistaken about the time of day it happened and what exactly happened. However... It's it's worth noting, you know, that that the undertaker claims this. Now, uh, one of my questions, I'm going to pose this to you guys again. It's why I have a tough time with Rich. You got to have motivation. Motivation's a big factor in in any murder. What kind of motivation would someone like Rich? He he works in a bank. He's a friend with a guy. Hey, come on, if you guys are writing a script, like why would someone like this want to kill Doctor Dean? If he had any involvement with the German spies, like if he was also like a double agent or, you know, if he was like, he helped the other guy kill him because he got rid of his, you know, Mm -hmm. location for the That's the only thing I can think of. They they flipped him. They flipped a prominent person in the community that they knew they could. It's it's kind of the only motivation I can think of as well, because money wasn't a motivation. Like he didn't. Like Dr. Dean didn't know money to the guy. Mm-hmm. Dr. Dean was overdrafted at the bank, but like by a, a few dollars. And apparently that would happen every so often. Unless he, you know, you said that there were rumors that he was kind of like philandering around town yeah, yeah. and he brought his wife home. If he was like, why were you with my wife? And he was like, oh, she just asked for a ride. And it's like after boinking her, you know. What I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, so this is uh, just to clarify that it was his sister-in-law that he that he brought home, not his wife. So Mrs. Dean was home, but that is, that is also a good motivating factor though. Tara is like, was, was there some philandering going on? Uh But Mrs. Rich, Mrs. Dean, like all these other people that are super intimate with these families basically shut that down. But that's great. It's kind of like money, which I don't agree was a thing because he didn't, Dr. Dean didn't know money. Um, Philandering, which everybody's like, no. And, the potential of like in cahoots with some other people related to spies. And that's the only one that I think has any chance of being true. If, if Mr. Rich was involved. Now I mentioned the car seen by witnesses earlier and that this guy or this young man saw rich driving a car that had two other men in it that he could not identify. 
Witnesses also saw a carriage go towards Dean's house before the murder that was followed by a car. And one witness who on his, slept on his porch because his wife had tuberculosis, although he still called it consumption. So I love his testimony when they say that. Apparently, porch sleeping was very common for people with tuberculosis and people that yeah. would move to that area of the country on purpose. So he slept on the porch and saw from Rich's house this carriage leave around 10, 1030, something like that, and claimed it was Rich. So why is he leaving the house? Why didn't he ever tell people he left the house? Because he said he was home all night. Someone saw him in a car. He also has a black eye. That's kind of also a big deal to some people. DeCurler, our good friend, psychic detective DeCurler. Oh my gosh. Kind of thought Rich did it. And he invited people, including Rich, up to the Dean property when DeCurler was investigating. And DeCurler had drawn uh, the shape of the hit on Dean's head on a piece of paper. And he looked at Rich and the story goes that he took the paper and slapped it on Rich's face by his eye where he still had some marks and DeCurler claimed it's the same marks. So like, therefore he did it was kind of his suggestion. When this happened, Rich didn't defend himself. But as Rich says, he was, he was just in shock. He was like, I was, I was just baffled. I was so, <laughs> I was just in shock of what happened. Uh, but so some people put, some validity into this idea of like, oh, the marks on Dean's head match Rich's eye. I don't think that's actually true. I think DeCurler is just a nut. And I, you know, like slapping a piece of paper on someone's face is just, it's so bizarre and weird. If they did match. Yeah, interesting. Anyway, yeah. Well, also, most people say he didn't have marks on his eye. Most people are like, he just had a black eye. He didn't have marks. So I, I really right. feel like DeCurler was just trying to invent something there. Uh, Rich actually filed a libel suit against newspapers after the murder in the years after it because so many people claim that he did it, that he was actually like, you're, you're ruining my life. This is libelous. So he and he won the case. So he actually won this, nice. this court case. Yeah. Now, there are questions about Dean going to Rich's house the night of the murder. Some people saw Dean leave town alone. Others saw him leave with Georgiana Hodgkins. So I think it's just a he said, she said. And I think witnesses are also not great. They're not great for evidence. They're, they're great to hear, but they don't always mm -hmm. see and remember things correctly. So I'm not sure what to believe in whether he went to Rich's house or not. And also I question, what does it even matter with the murder? Like, because if right. he went to Rich's house, do they get into a fight? But if he didn't go to Rich's house, why was Rich going over there later to kill him? Like, I don't know. It just, it, it just doesn't seem to fit to me. So I actually do think Dean went to the Rich's house. Also, Mrs. Dean, she said that Mr. Uh, Dr. Dean came home at 930, which means he would not have gone to Rich's house. But the people that say right. this don't take into account that she was suffering from dementia. And in other times that she was asked, she said 1030. And another time she was asked, she said he went to his friend Rich's house. So I think she just she we cannot rely on her for information. And time. I don't think we can rely on anybody for time in these stories, especially especially her. So, um, question. I feel like none of that matters because he was a known midnight milker. It was clear that people knew that and yeah. people premeditated that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, and so similar to this is why I'm going to say why not rich. And I've already kind of gone into that when I brought up stuff uh, similar to Colfelt, his testimony. And I'm going to talk about Colfelt's testimony later, too. Rich's testimony in the grand jury hearing just 
it just makes sense. And, and when I was working on my shows and I was researching stuff and just my my own love of stories like this, the the more bizarre a story is, the more it's likely that there's lies in it. Like things have to kind of line up when someone tells the truth. And everything Mr. Rich says in his testimony lines up to me. Like everything about his horse, the time, Dr. Dean coming over and hanging out on the porch, but like Mr. Rich didn't talk to him a lot because he was trying to treat his eye. Like everything he talks about seems very earnest, very authentic, very real. Obviously, I'm just reading it. I'm not hearing it. But still, it seems, and also it just all makes sense. There's no inconsistencies about what he says. And I think a lot of what he went through as a suspect and still goes through as a suspect is just local rumor. I think mm-hmm. rumor spreads, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. And and that's where it is. They were friends. These are guys that would hang out. They would talk a lot. Mrs. Dean and Mrs. Rich knew each other very well. Uh, obviously, Dr. Dean went over to hang out that night. You know, like, are there any descendants in this town that you're going to have to interview? That that is a good. I'm not. I don't think the riches are. There's a lot of descendants with the Bean family and and other families. There's also some videos on YouTube that were done in like the early '90s that people shared with what? two gentlemen who were alive back then, and one of them even saw Rich with the black eye. Um, oh my god! Yeah. What? Yeah, but they if, from my account of the videos I saw them in, it doesn't sound like they think Rich did it either. Yeah. So yeah, they were friends. They weren't enemies. The only way, the only, only way I think he would ever have been involved is if he was friends with somebody that was a spy, like one of these mm-hmm. people. But he'd have trying... to be better friends with the new with the spy than with him. And so... also money he would have had to be paid like yeah and you'd mm-hmm. be able to find that that's not you'd be able to find it and no one ever like he didn't move into a bigger house he didn't you know go on vacations to tahiti like there he was he you know stayed in town and did his job so yeah so i i'm not a big charles rich proponent as a as a rightful suspect i think you can write him off again my opinion but that's that's where i'm at i agree too so let's get to jordan's buddy Kohlfeld. Yes. Kohlfeld. So why is Kohlfeld a suspect? I'll I'll do a little review. Um, No, actually, I'm going to... Oh, Tara's counting using her fingers. She has lots of reason to think. I'm actually going to talk about the signal lights to give some background to that. Because that does tie in with Colfelt as a suspect. Around the time Lawrence Colfelt moved to New Hampshire was around the time that the lights actually started. Not exact, but it's around that time. As you've heard me say, there have been many reports about these strange lights coming from the top of Mount Monadnock and other Pac Monadnock and Temple Mountain and all the other mountains in the area. There's there's many reports of lights. And they generally start before the U.S. got involved in World War I, but they ramped up as soon as the U.S. did enter the war formally. And no one was ever caught doing this in the area of Jaffrey, I will specifically say. There's just rumors and sightings. People did try to investigate. The Department of Justice, the Bureau of Investigation, I think, uh, they sent investigators out there to find out what was going on. And I do apologize. Oh, I just hit my microphone. I do apologize because, again, all, if you, you heard me say this earlier or in part one, the FBI files 
are very confusing. So <laughs> I just I just hope I do it justice explaining, kind of s- summarizing different things that are in it because there's just so much detail. But they investigated the shit out of these lights. They would camp out. They would find places to be. There were a few instances where they saw people that they thought could be going up the mountain, but then they would lose track of them. Like there's a, a lot of different interesting things in these investigations. And there's a lot of it, like a lot of investigating. A lot of the pages you read are like, oh, we got breakfast and then we watched the mountain and then uh, nothing happened. And like, like, there's a lot of that too. The lights Bale, have been described. Bale with his note taking. Yeah. <laughs> they, there have been a lot of descriptions about the the lights because they're not consistent. They're flashes. Talk like, to me. I want to hear it. Yeah. They're t- flashes like Morse code. Some people have described them kind of like meteor showers, but on the mountain. However, to differentiate it and to val- validate being real lights is there were flares sometimes, like actual flares. Uh, there were these lights would like be signal lights where they would shine really bright, then maybe move a little, then kind of move back, maybe move up and down, and they would disappear. Then there'd be lights on other mountains. So there were there were different lights, meaning that there could have been different codes. Different kinds of lights could mean different things. Think about how fast they could send messages. Yeah. Like that, that like back uh, yeah. then. That's nuts. Because like there's uh, also two hours in a car on a horse and buggy would take what six, eight? Yeah. Yeah. A long time. And they could time. just like all from Mount Monadnock. That is it's nuts. Like and also a text it's, message. It, it is. And it's but it's unlike a text message. It's untraceable. Mm-hmm. You can't decode it unless you know what the code is. This is you know, this is World War One, not World War Two. So there was no um, what's the German code thing they had to break the that we typewriter so many. It's always in movies and stuff. Yeah. But there's none of that. Like you just have Morse code type of stuff. You also have the beginning of number stations, which I'm sure you guys have heard about those weird radio signals that just count things. Mm-hmm. I think the I think the earliest ones were during World War One. So it's like a form of like we're just going to send a signal. Someone's got to know how to how to you know figure out what it says. But there's only probably yeah. one person. Who knows what it says? Uh, it's really interesting. It is so interesting. Wild. There's also this is not in my notes. This is just from my reading. There was somebody that was actually captured, like a fisherman or somebody like that, by a German sub at this time off the coast of New England, and apparently the captain of the sub had been to like a Broadway show the night before, so they were able what? to get people on and off, you know, secret. <laughs> back then without being seen um so yeah yeah it's it is fascinating wow yeah yeah so in order for these lights to work though you have to have people local that are either reading them creating the code for them putting them up yeah and actually let me read i'm going to read this thing this is from uh bert ford's book that i mentioned earlier he he's a journalist that compiled a lot of stories in the 1920s about this it says automobiles were seen in lonely sections of the mountains equipped with two rear lights as powerful as headlights these lights were used as signals by covering them with colored discs of red blue and green it is suspected but has not been established by direct evidence that dynamos and wireless apparatus were conveyed from point to point in automobiles So that's just an example of like some of the things people had seen or thought about lights. They were usually seen on Friday nights between 1045 and 1120. Not always, but usually. So there was it seemed to be like a designated time. Mm -hmm. The signals in the vicinity of East Jaffrey and Dublin and Harrisville and everywhere we're talking about in New Hampshire 
there were actually many persons of German blood or pro-German sympathies that lived in the area. And apparently, I cannot find corroborating evidence for this, but I read this somewhere. Apparently, this move to this area started because there was a composer named Edward McDowell, who was American, but had studied and lived in Germany. Oh, do you guys know Edward McDowell? Look well, that's the McDowell colony. Oh, that's like the like the most prestigious artist like residence. It is. It is the there? same. <gasps> he bought the farm where it is to this day in like 1900. No, I think he died in 08. I think it was 1800s when he bought it. So apparently, wow. because he had lived in Germany and France and stuff, but he was very famous over there. That's why a lot of German immigrants would be in the area. They would go to shows and like concerts and stuff. He passed away before this murder, I think 10 years before it. But it, that's one of the reasons why there might have been some influence for people of German ancestry to move to the area. Uh, that's really funny. I love that you guys are able to react to that. It's perfect. That's why I wanted you. <laughs> so these signals also attracted international attention. Uh, letters have been saved from France and the UK corresponding with authorities here in the US that the signals need to be investigated because of potential spy activity. A local gentleman named Frank Humiston of Jaffrey, who would serve in the war, uh, has a story where he would see these dots and dashes and flares at night, and he tried to investigate himself. And he tells a story that one night while he was trying to watch the mountainside, he had had his horse with him. This car pulled up near him that didn't have its lights on, and people got out and he heard something along the lines of, oh, this is the place. And then they saw his horse. And they kind of scattered, they get back in the car and they drive away. And he kind of on his horse was near them and they yell at him and they're like, what are you doing out here? State your business. And he was like, turn on your headlights, idiots or whatever. And they, they kind of drive off. So that was, he suspects could have been people trying to, to send signal lights as wow. an example of people that were actually arrested because this did happen, just not around Jeffrey, a Dr. Rudolph Hutz, who was a, a Boston chemist was arrested for espionage the same month Dean was murdered up in Pine Island in Lake Winnipesaukee in New Hampshire. And it was because he was placing signal lights in his windows of his summer home in New Hampshire. Uh, Ballsy. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Also, a Count Johann Heinrich von Bernstorff, who was a German ambassador to the U.S. for a while, he was known to visit Dublin, New Hampshire, which I actually drove <gasps> through when I was in town. Yeah, we love uh, Dublin. Yeah. He went to Dublin to have a meeting with other Germans. And so he had some strange meetings. Apparently, he, depending on what you read, he either went multiple times to Dublin to have meetings or once. But why is the ambassador for Germany in a small town in New Hampshire? Dublin, New Hampshire. Because yeah. of Mount Manadnock. That's what, it, wow. what you would expect. Yeah. So there's some specific experts from the F- excerpts, excuse me, from the FBI files, which I'll kind of mention because they're very interesting. There's, uh, it was reported by an agent named Norman Gifford that says Mr. R.C. Nash was sent to investigate. He was an attorney, but he had considerable experience in the woods, which is important in, in New Hampshire. And he worked with other agents and met with a Dr. Louis Bell, who was an expert on signal lights. And they determined that it is there is some likelihood that they uh that signal lights were being experimented on in New Hampshire. There's a report from June eleventh, nineteen eighteen, which is pre-murder, and it says the the country surrounding Mount Monadnock and including Peterborough and Dublin has every facility for pro-German operations. It would be very easy to establish a chain of signal points. 
there is much wild land, abandoned farms, and passable but disused roads, which could be utilized for secret communication. Lonely lakes from which hydro airplanes might operate are numerous. The farming population <gasps> has not awakened to the dangerous possibilities. Oh my god! That is I mean, so cool. Because like, I mean, Harrisville, Harrisville has so many lakes around it that they named them ponds. Yep. So that people, like, so many people wouldn't want to come. I mean, there are so many lakes yeah. that. I mean, just the imagery. Like every time we're up at Aldworth, like on the weekends, you'll see little Cessnas and stuff flying really low, and. It, man, it just makes me. What a perfect think about spot, a honestly! What way. a perfect yeah. spot for signal lights. Uh, really. And like when a Pasaki like is what like an hour and thirty five yeah, minutes from like yeah. Monadnock, but yeah, Peterborough, Jaffrey's on the other side of the mountain from Peterborough mm. and Dublin, so they just had they had the mountain circled yeah. everywhere. Yeah. So a report from June fifth of nineteen eighteen mentioned being taken to Dean's farm, and this is pre his murder because agents believed it might be where a signal light came from on April 19th of 1918, as reported by witnesses and agents on the ground. Dean's farm had an excellent view of west to southeast. So Colfelt, our suspect, lived on Dean's property on April 19th when they suspected a signal light came from that area. The investigation also multiple times talks about Mrs. Morrison, who you guys did the wonderful scene with in part one. Mrs. Morrison actually lived on a property that had good view of a lot of lights. She witnessed a lot of them and agents would show up at her house and be like, can we, can we come see? And so she would like, let them be sit on her porch and watch the lights and things like that. So she's in a lot of reports, which is why I think she was in. That's why he was looking agents. for the battery. Yeah. He caught that guy and kicks him out. And he's like, I need batteries to figure out how this thing works. He couldn't find batteries. Possible. Possible. Now, I'm going to tie it in. Tara, it all makes sense to me. <laughs> just wait. Just wait, because we, we are not done, though. Uh, I will tie it more to, to Colfelt, so you will like this. Just a quick refresher, but if people want to hear more, turn into to part one. He uh, Colfelt moved to New Hampshire in 1916 from, I think it was in Boston originally, but his family does live in New York, and he would eventually move back to New York. Uh, he didn't live at the Dean's property right away. They lived uh, somewhere else, but close by. They allegedly moved to the area because their daughter, or his stepdaughter, was at college. She went to Radcliffe, which is in Boston. Um, so it's hours away, but they're definitely closer in yeah. New Hampshire than where they were. Oh, no. oh New York. He's the, from New York. Sorry. What? That's not that much they, closer. They, they found a temporary place, and then they looked for the perfect place to rent that they could do the signals from. Agreed. Yeah. So Keep going. They, uh, they moved up with two cars, because remember, he was wealthy. His grandfather was wealthy, mm -hmm. and he was, he was basically a trust fund baby. He had two cars, but when he moved to town, he sold them and bought a Marmon. I don't know exactly what model of Marmon he had, uh, but if you look at today's dollars with a Marmon back then, most of them were over $100,000 in today's, today's money. So he would Ugh. spend the equivalent back then. So about what it would cost you for a good psychic. Yeah, yes, damn near. Yes, exactly. A good, a good psychic. <laughs> Mr. Um, Jack Warner War. What's his name? <laughs> DeCurler. DeCurler. I, I think is how you say it. Um, so he, he was a wealthy dude. And uh, he became friends with Charles Rich. And he also did become friends with Dean. And he would move into the Dean's big house in 1917. His rent was $40 a month. I just love looking at those numbers. I wish that was rent now. What is that? <laughs> Jordan, do the calculator. $40 then uh, is how much now? All right. 
it's going to be a lot, right? It, yeah, it is. I mean, it's a nice house. It's going to be seven hundred eighty-four dollars. Yeah, wow, for a okay. very nice home, though. So. Yeah, for a very large home. Cole Felt would play billiards with Mr. Rich and Doctor Dean from time to time, so they were very friendly. The Colfelts, though, were known around town as being very odd, mainly because of their wealth. I talked about this in part one a little bit. Colfelt did not work, which everybody thought was super weird. And the Colfelts stayed in town over the winter, which is also something you do not do if you are not local in New Hampshire. So the Colfelts also received mail at multiple different post offices. So they didn't get their mail at one post office. They would go to like three or four of them to get mail, which is also very odd. There is a local rumor that Cole Felt would seem to to really make sure people knew that he was American. Like he would talk about it quite a lot. He was his ancestors were Irish and he would make sure everybody knew. Now again, that's a rumor, so I don't know how much of that is actually mm. true. Uh because he's odd and the war was going on and there was a lot of paranoia about Germans, people thought he was German. In fact, a an employee of his named Frank Romano told people that Cole Felt was German. I don't know why Romano said it. I don't know why Romano knew it. I will make a, a short tease that Romano is actually a suspect in a lot of stories that you read about this. We do not have time, nor do I want to go to, into him. So it's one of those things, if I do a follow-up, I will talk about Romano. Um, but some people think he may, he may have done it. I don't. That's why it's my podcast. So I'm just not going to take the time to do it, but I will in a follow-up. <laughs> As I've mentioned before, the Colfelts moved out of Dean's house in 1918 in June, and we don't know why Dean kicked him out. Dean said they couldn't stay there anymore. Rumors persist. It's because Dean found something out about Colfelt yeah. and wanted him out of the house. And that's yeah, why he's that's a why German he was sympathizer. Yeah, yeah. So the Colfelts' stepdaughter, who was in college, like I said, uh, they found after the murder, when they were cleaning out things in the big house, the Colfelts had left a box. And <gasps> in that box was a lot of pictures of teddy bears that their stepdaughter or his stepdaughter, Mrs. Rich's daughter, would take. And people, because people are people, they just immediately went, oh, that's code. Those are all like spy messages. All the, all the different pictures of the teddy bears mean different things. So it's spy activity. I don't know if I believe that, but I thought I'd still share because people do think that's a thing. Was it the same teddy bear in each picture? Or was I think it, it, I think it was. Bear? I think it's the same teddy bear. I think. Not 100% sure. I have not been able to find the pictures. <laughs> now, allegedly, and it depends on what report you read, the big house was found once the Colfelts moved out with some sort of chemical treatment on the windows. Like treatment that would like make if it was raining, the water wouldn't stay on the window. Okay. So to make sure it's Because like you'd have to clear. be able to see... You'd have to yeah. be able to see the lights on a stormy see night. See the lights. Uh, some reports also say, again, it depends on what reports you read, that either the screens, the windows, or the windows themselves were discolored, like a hot light would shine through oh. them and like burn or discolor the screen or the window. I will, I will come back to that. Uh, oh, and then I bet you Dean's wife had been disclosed this information, and that's why she's like, he's dead. Because he, she knew that like they were getting into trouble and that they kicked those people yeah. out and they must have come back to kill. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Honey, I don't know why. Jordan, I, I they should just listen to you, sweetheart. You're Jordan, right. Jordan just left the room. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for various reasons, primarily though the paranoia of German spies, 
and rumors that Coltfeld was German. He is the main suspect, he and Rich, but he is considered kind of the main one today. Uh, and don't forget that Dean told Mrs. Morrison that he had proof now. Like he needed federal investigators to come up because yep. he finally had he finally had proof and he had recently. Man, he should have really out. told that lady. Yeah. What was going on? Absolutely. So question any questions before I get into some some more details about Colfield? Anything? Nope. You got you guys just you're ready. You're ready to ready. say he did it. So I'm gonna bring up now that Jordan left because he will not want to hear this. I'm gonna talk about He's why. Out. He's bringing my computer <laughs> Jordan, Jordan just stood up and left. Okay. Uh, oh, oh, he just ran. That's hilarious. It was like a Benny Hill sketch running in the background. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. I'll, I'll wait for him because he'll want to hear this. All right. Love it. So now that Jordan is amped up to prove, or not to prove, but to get excited that Colfelt did it, let's talk about why it's not Colfelt. He didn't. Okay. Or why I don't think he did it. You can still okay. think he did it. You're under no obligation to agree So you with don't me. think he did it? I don't think he did it. Do you think he's uh, and a spy? No, no, I don't. <gasps> okay, I don't. Here we go. I don't even think he's a spy. Um, but you, you please disagree with me. Let me know, and ever all the listeners disagree with me. Write in your opinions, please. A study of strange at gmail.com. Uh, so yeah, why not Colfeld? His testimony during the grand jury hearing, like Rich's that I mentioned before. Everything seemed to make perfect sense. He wasn't defensive. He didn't beat around the bush on things. He, everything had a clear reason. Mikey, yeah. because he knows how to do. He's been trained by the I, German yeah. army. Yeah. Hey, there you <laughs> go. We're just gonna keep so, gaming up on you. Valid. Yeah. Valid. No. No. Absolutely. But also, what you're saying actually is valid too. Like, if he is very good, he he knows how to handle himself. But my my whole thing is, and I don't I don't want to relate myself to Columbo because I am not a detective. I am not God, trained. Please but relate love, away. But like Columbo, he would always figure out things because he would just find something that didn't fit. There was an inconsistency. It could be as simple as like a book being opened when all the other ones are closed and it would eat at him until he was able to like piece everything together. There's no inconsistencies in Colfeld's story that I can find. And by the way, I'm not talking to him. I'm just reading transcripts. So I could be wrong. So here's some other some other bits of information. He was in Portsmouth, New Hampshire when the murder happened. He was working for a shipbuilder because he, as he said in his testimony, it was wartime. He felt bad. He wasn't doing anything. He didn't need the money. So he signed up for work. I actually have a reason for why I think he went to work before Jordan says his thing. Okay. I don't think it's because he felt bad he wasn't working. He wanted to do something during wartime. I think he was afraid of being drafted. I think he wanted a job so he didn't have to go fight. I think so he knew that, he needed an alibi. Boom. There you go. There's the other There's the other way to do it. Also, because he could still be involved, right? To yeah. disprove my own thing. He could be setting it up, sending other people to go do it. And he's he could be sending alibi. a message to Manadnock and they'd have known right away. Boom. So, <laughs> uh, but he was, he was legitimately out of town when it happened. He did work for the thing. There's pay bills. There's receipts. There's witnesses. He was out of town. Man, what a weird thing to quickly do that, though, to get like all those receipts and stuff. That seems. Well, he he just had them on him because he needed them. Uh, and yeah. also witnesses. There are witnesses. like he works with people. It is a very specific. It was like a seven to five p.m. job or whatever. There's people on the ground. Also, his car was in town. He drove his car there. His car was there at a garage. I like the draft reason, though. He probably yeah. all did right. That. All I right. Th so I think that... he got a job to get out of the draft. Yeah. So his um, car, that fancy car, was not fancy in. Fancy car, 
It was not the one seen in town because it was in uh, okay. not Portsmouth, but like a little town next door. Okay. Now, as to why he was kicked out of Dean's house, Dean said to Mrs. Morrison, a man like Colfelt, young and strong, who will not do useful work at this time is not the man I want in my place. This by some has been taken that like, Dean thought he was a spy. I think it means he wanted somebody to, because he had actually said this at other times, he wanted someone to actually use his land for agriculture. And Colfelt didn't, because Colfelt didn't want to do the work. When did he kick him out? What time of the year? So this is the other thing. It's often reported that he kicked him out and gave him 24 hours. Apparently, he actually told him to leave in May. He didn't move out until June. So it's not like he packed up overnight, which is, you read that a lot. So I think local rumor and what actually happened does blend and people think he left right away. I think it took a month for him to move out. He also, did, he didn't move far away. He didn't like run away from town even after the murder. They lived, uh, I forget where because I didn't write it down, but it's still in the same same area. It just wasn't in Jaffrey, but it was nearby. He Way still nearby. needed to see the signal, so he couldn't. Wait, he worked in Portsmouth, but lived nearby still? Yeah, so he would, what Ooh. he did is he started the job. He would go stay for the week in Portsmouth, come back on the weekend, because it's only like an hour and a half, two hour drive. So at the time, so he would go stay for the week, come back. And it was just during the course of the war. So he only worked there a few months because I think the U.S., the war was over a few months after the murder happened. Um, so it wasn't like a, a job to do forever, which is also why I think he did it to not have to go fight because the war ended and he stopped working. Yeah. Um, so also when Dean says he wanted someone useful to work at the house, I think he wanted someone to work the land. I don't think he kicked him out because he was a spy. I think he kicked him out because it's like, look, I want a tenant that's going to work the land. There were also some other arguments they did have. Uh, they had apparently been fighting about chickens and some other stuff. Yeah, Jordan? Well, I just feel that like if I were Dean and I knew this guy was a spy, let's just say, mm-hmm. I'm not going to be like, hey, get out of my house. You're a spy. I'm going to be like, listen, man, honestly, I need somebody to work the land and you're just not going to do that. So I need you to leave. Good point. Just a thought. No, no, it's They're a good also, point. Also, if he was a spy and they were also buddies, before he realized it was him, they probably chatted about like, hey man, there's like weird lights going on and like I see yeah. some st- weird shit going on. And then obviously he's like, shit, he's on to me. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, I can't, I can't disagree. I can't disagree. I could be throwing um, an innocent person under the bus, under the I mean, carriage they're, wheel. They're long dead, so you don't have to. To worry about sending it. They could haunt you know. me though up in New Hampshire. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, oh, uh, I thought Jordan was going to say something. You're just pointing. Oh, sorry. I need to shut up. No, you, no, you don't. You're good. Physically. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so they had also, yeah, they had been fighting about some chickens and some like other things around the barn. Apparently, there was like Colfelt wanted to pay for hay, and uh, Dean was like, "Hey, pay me for the hay." And Colfelt was like, "Yeah, I need a bill though. I need like, I need a receipt." And Dean wouldn't send him the bill, so Colfelt wouldn't pay for the hay. And it was this whole rigmarole. My point is, I think they were fighting and arguing, and Dean wanted them out because of very typical tenant landlord stuff. I don't think it sounds like he discovered Colfelt was a spy. Well, I then think. who did it, Mikey? Oh, well. <laughs> I, I, uh, <laughs> pressure's, pressure's on. Uh, so we're not, we're not done with Colfelt yet. So. Um, Apparently the, the 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 screen and the lights and the the chemical treatment and all these things about like windows and the big house having been affected by signal lights up to the mountain. I've never found any way to validate that. There's no pictures of that. 
there's also the 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 like contradicting evidence of like oh it's chemical treatment no it's like the screens have been burnt no the windows were discolored it all just seems like local stories that's is the house still there you know? no no that house is not still there there there's other houses from the story that are still there but not the big house um but no okay. i've never been able to validate something happening to the windows so i do think that's just rumor even in the grand yeah. jury testimony if that was real i feel like that would have been brought up it never was yeah that would have been so, evidence right. that yeah. Now, there's also another story about Kohlfeld. I forgot to mention that I will because there's there's pros and cons to it being of him being a, a suspect. <laughs> but when he moved out, he had a big box and no one saw the inside of it. And he was really worried about it when it was mo- being moved. He wanted to make sure it was really well taken care of. He didn't want it bouncing around when it was being transported. And so a lot of people think that it was holding wireless communications. He had to be very careful because it was some sort of generator or communication device that he was using in spy activity he said it was a victrola which is basically a record player it's a stereo so when i hear that i'm like well yeah of course he was trying to take care of his stereo like that's what you even today tvs and stereos are like when i move those are the things i'm worried about so if he's super rich couldn't he just buy a new one i I think people still worry about those things when they buy new ones (laughs) jordan's face when he said that (laughs) yeah so anyway, that's that's my that's my reasoning for why he was worried about the box. I don't think it was a communication device. I think it was a Victrola and he wanted to take care of it. Now, as to him being German, uh, his family was most definitely not German. He was from Pennsylvania. His family lineage goes back many generations on both sides. Um, his grandfather was involved with business and politics in Pennsylvania. Uh, he has relatives that fought in the Civil War. He was definitely. He loves being an American. He loves being an American. He was also of I- Irish ancestry. Now, could he have been a German sympathizer? I don't know, but it definitely doesn't point to that. Federal investigators did investigate him, and they actually just found him to be very pure-blooded American. You know, like they they found nothing in his activity or his family or anything he did to be uh, connected with Germany in any way. So those are my those are my reasons to. Sort of exonerate. Exonerate. Thank you for the, the good word. <laughs> so my theory, I will share my theory. I'll dive into it because I actually think you guys will agree with me. Please. I think the killing was very brutal. It seems like someone, something someone would have to do with multiple people. I think people were waiting for Dean or approached him at the barn, which means they knew his, his activity. They knew he milked his cows late at night. They knew the, the land. They knew the cistern. They knew how to get there. They did not take anything. Nothing was stolen. There's no sign that hoodlums were, you know, drawing graffiti or having a campfire. Like, this looks like somebody was specifically there to attack Dean. Also, being tied up. I think that he was hit on the head to kind of like get him to, you know, just the initial like sneak up and hit Discombobulation. him. Discombobulation. Yep. Tie him up. And then potentially, uh, uh, what is the, uh, in, not, not ask questions. What is the the word? Um, interrogate. interrogate. I think they tie him up to interrogate him. Find out actually how much he really knows. And as he's talking, they're choking him if he he's not saying what they want to hear and yep. not saying what they want to know. And I think that's how he died. And then they, you know, yeah. Go ahead. No, I I feel the same way. Have Have you looked up how people were killed? Other like like 
in that time frame from like spies or anything? Any, uh, you know, I have not. And that is something to look into. I did look up other like spy activity in the area, but mostly it mm-hmm. had to do with lights and signals. There were no murders that we can find that was like, oh, this is an international conspiracy of someone doing that. So I think he's the only one. He's like the sole Man. like guy, like victim that we have to even look at. But just the nature of the murder makes me think it's not Charles Rich. I can't see a guy no. like that that worked in the bank and helped at the court. And he did other like things around town to help things out and had these like, like that just does not seem like the kind of guy that would kill somebody in this manner. Also, hiding him in the cistern, whoever did it knew he'd eventually be found. Yeah. So that can be sent as a bit of a message to like, hey, you know, don't, you know, be quiet and this could happen to you kind mm-hmm. of thing. And I keep thinking, as I think about this, who would who would actually assassinate him? And I do think spies. Mm-hmm. You know, this rural doctor that didn't become a doctor that just kind of farmed his land and rented a house. He's got, if he had enemies, they're not going to kill him in this manner. No. This has to be spy activity. And as I was thinking this, as I'm learning this researching, I keep thinking, nah, it's too, it's too Hollywood. It can't be that. It cannot be it. But the more I look into it, the more I'm like, no, this has to be, he came across something. He saw something from his be. house. Yeah. I don't know that it's the guy in the big house. Yeah. But it has to be. I mean, it has to be spies. Yeah, because he Why also else suspected. Would this guy... he, 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 yeah. he knew something was up with the lights. I mean, giving Mrs. Morrison the message, trying to get someone here. Like, I really feel really bad. I wish letter. someone, yeah. like, if there were already agents there, like, r- trying to figure it out, I wish someone would have gone to him and been like, we know, dude. Just lay low. Yeah. But he if died. he would have just told Mrs. Morrison, just tell Mrs. Like, Morrison, we would like, know yeah. exactly what he found yeah. out. Like I overheard Joe <sighs> talk at the you know general store the other day, and he's speaking German, and I've been seeing you know like I wish he had said something to Mrs. Morrison. But, maybe but she Mrs. was a woman. But it could. Women, yeah. women can't Morrison. handle dangerous things. That's yeah. true. But also, she's alive, <laughs> or she lived because of that. Yeah. Maybe because had she known yeah. oh, more information, oh. she might have been killed too. But but also, like, I mean, it could have been a ruse to be like, hey, I'm going to get out of town. I'll be I'll be here working. Y'all take care of him because he's figured it out and you need to do it. Yeah. 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 And that that really does protect his ass by being like, oh, I guess he he did. He left and got a job like he is more of a stand up guy than we thought. Lies. Yeah. I mean, look, as much as I kind of write off Colfelt, I think that is it's a good point. You know, he could have been a mastermind behind this. And even if he wasn't German, like I said, he could have had sympathies. He could have been paid off. He could have, you know, someone could have just come been to bored. Him and yeah. if you're looking for something to do. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what's he do all day? Staying up late. Idle hands lights. make the devils work. That's true. right, honey. But also, why the fuck would you go up there and just hang out in the month, in the winter? Like, yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah. That's right. That's mm-mm. the biggest thing, man. We've been in the winter. <laughs> brutal it's brutal i mean like and we've got all the modern conveniences yeah now would you rather be out there that up for fun yeah would you rather be out there in the winter or during uh mud season oh i thought you were about to say oh, black fly because i was like or, or black fly There's, winter yeah. over black fly yeah me too winter over black fly yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah. i haven't been up there for mud season yeah i haven't either i've got to gotta try it out uh so it all sounds that like heaving <laughs> Yeah, is there anything else you guys want to add to this? Any other theories that you brought up? Man, I if I could about- just wrap this up in a tight bow real quick, I'd probably, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I really I wish, solved it. I wish Jordan we could it, go like, with a metal detector around Jaffrey and mm-hmm. like in the next couple months and I could find the milk bucket. 
Ooh. Listen, the next time we're filming up there, we must take a spotlight up there and do a test. Oh my God, that'd be so fun. Oh, that really would be cool. Honestly, do we know what kind of lights they used? Was it like- I think it was a variety. I think it was always a variety of things. I don't think it was always the same thing. Like how powerful of a light did you have to have back then to be able to do that? Well, what, uh, I mean, even if it wasn't like electrical, like the gas, you know, the gas ones they'd use for mining just had like- huge polished discs sure and they like i mean like a light. lighthouse would have a giant light so yeah and like honestly lighthouse. i don't think you got to think back then i mean it's still rural there's still not a lot of light pollution but back then even less let much oh, yeah, less light you're pollution. right so you actually don't need something That's super true. powerful and if you're just sending a signal from the top of the mountain to the other mountain to the uh peck peck monadnock it's always hard Crotch to say mountain me. oh is that what it's called Mm-hmm. Okay, if you're sending that, it's not. Yeah, I don't think you need something super powerful. You no, know? because like, even you really at don't. when you're at Aldworth, if you're in the top floor of the manor, you can see people skiing at night. And then they do the night yeah. skis when they carry mm-hmm. torches. You can see them coming down the mountain, and that's it's good. That's good direct direct information from the land there for the yeah. story. I love it. I love it. Yeah, wow. man. Yeah, God. Yeah, I did. We haven't even talked. We haven't even talked about how there's more ley lines. Uh, that cross Ooh. over the Manadnock region than like anywhere in the world. That's what, Boom. when we're researching weird stuff up yeah. there, that always pops up. Oh, I've got to look into that next. Yeah. No, <laughs> I mean, look, when I started this, guys, when I started reading at first, I was like, it's not going to be enough here for a story because these these lights, they're not going to be anything. And then I look into it. I'm like, oh, these lights are something. Yes. And then I get more they're into like- the murder and I'm like, oh, these, this is really good mystery. And then I, but I never expected at the end to actually come to the conclusion that I think he actually came across some spy activity and that's what got him killed. I literally never expected to have that conclusion. I was like, nah, it's someone in town jealous of him or whatever, like it normally is. And it's like, no, I actually came to the conclusion. I think it's spies. Oh man. Poor Dr. Dean. You know, one of the goats at Aldworth uh, was named Dean. Maybe we can channel his spirit through him. There you go. We'll ask. This has got to be where Tolkien got his idea for like the lights of Gondor and like sending those messages, right? Like he was in the war. He was in. Yeah. From mountaintop uh, to mountaintop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the other thing, too. Just if people do question the the lights, a lot of uh, people that either investigated it or were talked to when people were investigating the lights is in Europe, they were using similar type coding and signals. So it it just it fits. It's just it was the best way to send signals that you didn't want people to understand or translate. Yeah, especially and, knowing uh, that they use different colored things. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, gosh, all kinds of messages Man. you could send. Yeah, and that guy on the horseback, like that's a really that's that's really scary. Yeah, him yeah, being on horseback people. and those people yeah. pulling up out yeah. in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and especially like gosh. when you don't have like like you were saying light pollution. Like when it's dark up there, it is dark it's dark <laughs> like it on dark. a moon on a moonlit night you're like wow it's incredible because like otherwise it is dark you see every star in the sky like it's really something else so if you're out yeah. in the, the woods by yourself without your headlights on i mean well on a horse and then you see a car come up without headlights on like what were they doing and wait what they, they said was this is it this is the spot that's what they said that's what he says that he heard um yeah yeah so something like that who knows? They could have been picnicking. They could have been having, uh, you know, could an orgy. Like lovers lane you know? thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't know. We don't know. But it is. It is. You know, it's the coincidence of the lights going on and him investigating the lights and seeing a car with no lights on hiding from people. 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it definitely seems. Yeah, there could have been like and the was, battery. Yeah, what was he needing? The battery, the battery thing. But ba- I actually do think he legitimately wanted a, a flashlight to see home because there actually is talk that the uh, the rich family gave him a lantern on his way home the night that he died. So I do think he just was like, it's dark outside. It's hard to see the roads. You know, I, I think he just wanted that. Yeah. But it is, it does, I, do, I have the same question. I'm not saying that it's 100%. I think he could have, may have wanted his flashlight to work to try to like yeah. respond back to a light and see if he could get mm-hmm. some sort of like, you know, provoke That's something. What I uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Play with it back, yeah. Yeah, yeah. See what happens. Poor guy. Ah. Mm. Yeah. And, and yeah, guy. I think you're right. Being found, they knew it would be found. And it is a bit of a message because like, say the people in the car that were like, this is it. Maybe they thought like, hey, those lights in the mountains. And they they went to go try to find out what it was too. And then like someone in the town dying, if it was rumored that it could have been involvement with spies and stuff like that, would shut everyone up real quick. Yeah. Well, thank you all. You both. It's better. I I said, because you guys are from Arkansas. So I always go to like, y'all, thank y'all. Well, Uh, Arwen was here giving her opinions as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, thank you for doing this. Thank you for doing it with a wee, a wee babe at home. Yeah. Uh, So fun, man. Thanks for having us. This is going to really, this is going to really bug me not knowing this. this Yeah. Yeah. I, I, well, hey, me too. But I I do think we've, we've been able to come to a conclusion that actually helps because I don't think everybody thinks about the spies. And I actually, I've gone through every, the only thing left to do is talk to more people locally. That's it. But I'm like, I'm so leaning and like, it's spy. I know. I've got, and and on that note, you gotta, you gotta bring, yeah. Yeah. On on that, on that note, listeners, please, if you enjoyed this story, you want to hear more message me at a, a study of strange at gmail.com. Let me know. Cause I will, I will do a follow up if there's enough of a, of an eagerness out there yeah. and see if I can interview people in Jaffrey that are part of the historical society that have compiled all of this amazing research. Um, I cannot thank them enough. They don't even know I did this. And I, yet if you are listening, thank you so much for your research into this. I I've spent countless hours reading, reading so much. Um, but it's been, it's been really fun. And, uh, but I'd love to interview, interview you if there's enough interest. So please message me. And then, uh, let's tell everybody too, to watch squirrel and ghost of the Ozarks to see work from Tara and Jordan and, and myself too. I'm involved in those things too. Oh yeah. Uh, But ghost of the Ozarks is out for rent everywhere. Yeah. And the haunted woods and on squirrel, you will see a landscape from this area. So if you watch Squirrel, just know it was all filmed right around where this story happened. Where this happened. You'll see a gorgeous shot. for free. Yeah. A gorgeous Thank shot you, of Mount Monadnock. Yes, you will. Oh, God, I forgot. That's the mountain in it. Oh, it's so it's so amazing to think about that. Um, well, yes. Thank you all again. Love it. Thanks, Michael. We loved it. Yeah, so fun. And that concludes the bizarre murder of Dr. William Dean. It seems like most of my first episodes have involved people named William from William Herbert Wallace, William Mumler, and now William Dean. That's an interesting coincidence. Hmm. Anyway, please hit that subscribe button, or as my son would say, smash that button, leave a review, and tune in for more A Study of Strange. Show notes and more information for our Patreon, which has a very special giveaway going on right now, can be found at www.astudyofstrange.com and stay up to date with releases by following us on Instagram. And also, lastly, you heard me say it in the show, I am very serious that if there's enough interest in this particular topic of Dr. William Dean, send me an email, astudyofstrange at gmail.com. Yeah, if there's enough interest, I'm definitely going to be reaching out to people in Jaffrey and seeing if I can get an interview or something like that to do a follow-up. So let me know. Otherwise, 
Thank you, and good night.